Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man! And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back, where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment hitting your screens, both big and small. We're just a couple of geek dads, but it's an exciting time to be alive where watching comics is literally a thing. My name is Mitch, my co-host is Jake, and well, it's time to close the book on a, I don't know, maybe monumental television series. I don't know. The conversation will get there. We're going to do it. But Jake, before we get deep, I want to ask, how are you? Well, I think, I think I'm just going to repeat what I said earlier because it feels on brand enough for this that my life is generally great. But if a politician were to run on the platform of Skynet, isn't it about time? But they also included in their platform, hey, let's get rid of daylight savings time. As a parent, I'd take the risk, man. I'd vote for that person. <laughs> I'd roll those dice. Yeah, let's, cha- yeah. let's test those odds. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor's out there taking care of it for us, right? Like, we, 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 we can take the risk. <laughs> We've seen enough of the movies that we know that, I mean, it gets dark, but I think cooler heads prevail in the end, right? So it's <laughs> maybe maybe it's okay. I don't know. Or maybe maybe it's a bad idea. Well, and frankly, I mean, uh, there's a question where you have to ask yourself, how bad is robot apocalypse compared to daylight savings with children in the house? Uh, I mean, just, you know, you're weighing evils, you know. (laughs) As if the pandemic wasn't hard enough and removing the concept of time and, and just rendering it meaningless, daylight savings just has to come in and hijack the whole thing as well and say, guys, this wasn't complicated enough. So here we are. So other than that. I'm doing pretty great, actually, but okay. there is that one little thing for the next couple of nights. <laughs> well, pretty great is doable. I guess we can live with that. And yep, you're, I'll settle you're, for it. You're well, you're safe. That's all we can ask for at the end of the day. How about yourself? How are you doing? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. I won't complain. Doing okay. Family's healthy. Kids are doing all right. Yeah, we're just doing our best, man. Doing our best. That's all we can do. It occurred to me for not the first time, you know, since September when I moved that you and I are geographically like, I'd say we're within maybe a mile, mile and a half of each other. Oh, yeah, like, probably a mile and a half. Yeah, for sure. At all times. Yeah, at all times almost. <laughs> and yet we have, we're, you know, the only time we ever see each other is like in passing just because of this insanity with everything. It's just so weird, right? It's like, really I, weird. I see you when the str- I see you when we're dance dadding. Yes. Yes. Because dance dad hashtag. Um, and then that's it. Yeah. The, the yeah. rest of it, the rest of it is just survival mode, man. It ships I'm, in the night. It ships in the night. I, I know you're real. I've seen you. Oh, Hey stranger. I speak to several hours a week. How are yeah, you? Exactly. How's it going? It's, it's been two since I've seen you. So there we go. Um, yeah, Jake, I'm glad you're well. I'm glad we live in the same city one day. We will finally give our listeners an episode where we got to record in the same space. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen. A guy can dream, right? We can dream. Well, I mean, that's just what do you do if you can't dream for something? So. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm choosing to hold on to. I don't know what that says about my life in its current state, but there it is. So here we are, the Watching Comics Podcast. Thank you so much, listeners, for jumping on board with us. If you are a new listener, welcome. We're happy to have you. If you are a returning listener, welcome back we're happy to have you yeah that's all i got anyway um jake and i are going to be dishing on wandavision now of course before we go any further we want to make sure that you all are prepared to tweet at us get those thumbs ready to go because what else is the internet good for than sharing your takes about how our takes are wrong or maybe about how our takes are pleasant i don't know but we are at watch comics pod that's comics with an x at watch comics pod and we, uh, we went back, if you missed it, at the beginning of WandaVision, we did an episode unpacking the first two um, installments from the series, and we shared some fan theories. We had a lot of cool stuff going on. We were also wrong about a lot of things, but hey, it's all good. And then here we are, wanted to close the book on it now that the whole thing is done. Um, wanted to see how that went, taking that approach. But I guess if nothing else, 
shout out to our good friend, Jared. You know who you are, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to give this guy props. So Jake and I have a mutual friend. His name is Jared. He too also lives in the same city that we live in city. Listen to me. It's a small community. Um, <laughs> we live in a small rural community in the heartland. There, there it is. Um, our, our mutual friend, Jared, He's a really good guy. Known him for a really long time. Randomly on um, Friday morning, the the day the the final episode of WandaVision premiered, I get a call from Jared at like ten after eight in the morning, and he says, "Hey, how's it going? So, are you guys gonna be covering WandaVision for the podcast? Because I'm a fan, and I would love to listen to what you guys have to say. So, here it is." An episode not just for our fans, but especially for our good friend, Jared. Shout out to you for using a phone for an actual phone call. It's impressive for using that old school method of phoning in your request. That is a big deal. We appreciate it. This this one is all for you, buddy. And and sorry it took us a few days. You know, it's just, it's been, uh, it's been a week. It has been a week. And, uh, you know, we're not professionals. Uh, at this, <laughs> but, <laughs> I love <laughs> that was an excellent little add-on there because I'm like, oh, that's right. Like we're actually like people who get things done in real life. <laughs> well, it, at least that's our internet cred. I don't know. I mean, we <laughs> we said multiple times on this podcast before that um, we own houses, we live in ba- we have basements. They're not our moms. We have jobs. We have families. Not really sure how that all came together, but here we are. We're almost thriving, and I th- I think that's credible. Yeah, I, credible. It, credible is the least that it is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm on board. Good job. Way to go, us. Yeah, Pat. Pat's on the back. Yeah, we <laughs> we did it. Yay. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if we get a blue ribbon or not, but what we do get is a culminated WandaVision series. Nine episodes done in the can, watched, tweeted about, ruminated upon everything. WandaVision happened, Jake. It was a thing, and it definitely controlled the zeitgeist. Ah, zeitgeist, <laughs> the magic word. Um, but it did. I, I'm not saying that I'm surprised by that. I mean, Marvel's got a got a good finger on the pulse here, but it really is their first installment into the television soiree, which means there's a lot to unpack there. Um, Jake, WandaVision, you finished it, right? Sure did. Sure did. So, okay, let's do what we normally do. All right, Jake, why don't you give me a couple of things that that worked for you? Uh, overall impressions of the show. Nine episodes. Try, try to condense it down here. Give me a you good know, sound so, bite. Yeah, you know, something that worked really well for me was the gin general uh creepiness of it for lack of a better term the way that uh, (laughs) and i mean that in such an affectionate way like this the first few episodes had the sort of unsettling vibe that you look for in really good science fiction uh you know i think twilight zone at its best is is kind of how this felt I legit thought you were just going to leave it at Twilight. And I was like, I don't Twilight. It felt like Twilight. And I was like, okay, it's a funny joke, but he's got his serious tone. So I was like, I don't know what to do here. A lot of thoughts went in my, tone. A lot of thoughts went through my head in that millisecond between <laughs> Twilight and Zone. I don't I don't know what's happening to me. Jake continues. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I, I think that the uh I, I think that the tone of this thing was so good. I, I liked that Marvel wanted to mix it up a little bit. Um, I think that when the series worked best was when it was breaking new ground in terms of, of mixing up what we've come to view as the Marvel formula, which is both a completely fair and unfair assessment of an entire genre. Um, I think where it also worked its best is when it allowed itself to be more than... Uh, in many ways, WandaVision is one of the most mature things we've gotten out of the MCU. And but can we definitively say that this is maybe the most mature MCU installment not named Black Panther? Yeah, I think I think there's something to that because at its core, and, and again, this is this is one of those moments where I'm not trying to be revolutionary or the first person to say it. I'm just trying to join in with the chorus of people who are right is that 
at its core, this thing is an exploration of grief. And what a, I mean, frankly, what a beautiful thing. And at times, WandaVision was so poignant and so thoughtful in, in ways that I never expected it to be coming in. And in ways that only, but, but, you know, these are the moments that those of us that truly love comic books into adulthood, we've got a moment in comics that caught us that way, right? Where we saw something beyond just bang, pow, onomatopoeia. We saw depth. We saw our own humanity reflected back at us. And Shout we saw out for art. dropping onomatopoeia on the podcast. Well done. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I love we onomatopoeic saw... words. <laughs> we we got to see art, you know, and we saw something that transcended genre and transcended medium and was just a look at the human condition. And in so many ways, WandaVision is the most comic booky of all MCU projects. And that's one way that it was for me is this had several of those moments where it transcended itself and it was bigger than what, than the sum of its parts. And it, it gave us something artistic in a way that we don't normally expect. And so in a lot of ways, and, and I'm not, it wasn't perfect. And I'm going to try to be critical of a few different things, but in a lot of ways, I would venture to say that WandaVision is a stunning success and a giant jump forward for the MCU and for superhero storytelling. Gosh, so much of what you're saying, I want to just completely throw my fist in the air and say, yes. Um, but there's other, I, I'm so conflicted about this show, Jake, but you did, we'll get to that. But you, you hit on a couple of core components. I, I wonder if maybe the larger takeaway here is that um, television could potentially be the new breeding ground for rich storytelling for the comic book arena. If, and only if you've already earned the kind of real estate it takes to have that agency um, with some previously um, like, I don't know, appreciated installments. Cause I, I recognize that part, like what I love the most about this show is that I finally got character nuance. But the only reason I got real mm. character nuance is because they were able to stretch things out over nine episodes, right? We were we were given essentially a six-hour show as opposed to, at best, a three-hour movie, right? And it was pretty nuclear in the sense of how many characters we were really, truly following for threads, too. So, like, the, the exploration of grief is huge. And I want to get to that um, because that, that was easily the most meaningful, emotionally powerful, as well as the most frustrating component of that show for me. But I, I went through the series going like, I'm just so happy that I'm getting to see characterization become three-dimensional, that I'm actually getting to see some stakes that are grounded in humanism, for lack of an ironic term, right? But at the same time, I'm wondering if the reason that that flourished so well is because we had already earned the trust of the MCU for a decade. But that being said, I think the biggest takeaway has got to be the fact that this show more than it wasn't was a home run and it, it was really able to accomplish a lot of things that the movies haven't been able to do yet while still capitalizing on the best things that the movies provide. And so I, if anything, I loved WandaVision. Um, I'm still conflicted about a few things, but I loved WandaVision and I'm even more amped up for Falcon and the winter soldier for all of the same reasons, right? Like we'll get to see somebody like Anthony Mackie actually get a chance to spread his wings and actually earn a spotlight in the MCU when the guy's been ridiculously talented his whole career. We got that with WandaVision. And so, I don't know, that's my, that's my biggest takeaway here at this point is the vehicle of television played really, really well. And even amongst its flaws, WandaVision leaned into rich characterization, both of the entertaining ilk and as well as the nuanced ilk. And I think it played those notes really, really well. What do you think? Yeah, I'm 100% there with you. And I think that you're really onto something and, and really getting to the core of the thing when you talk about the fact that they, they stretched it out over nine episodes and in a lot of ways to, to really be true to the mission of this podcast and to what we are more than anything, it felt to me like a fully realized comic book arc. 
And, you know, the fact it was like a a full run, it was a full exactly. Well, it's not lost on me that the vision comic that a little bit of this inspiration is is driven from is only like what 10 to 12 issues somewhere in that range. It's not lost on me that your average comic book arc goes about six to eight issues, depending on the need and the situation. And so it, it is completely that nine episodes is right in that sweet spot where what so many people are really experiencing and i'm going to i'm going to pound the table on this till till the day i die man wandavision was a giant jump forward in everybody else experiencing what us comic lovers have been experiencing with these characters for decades and in a lot of ways for my for example for my wife elise who watched every episode with me who is not much of a comic reader except for a few things i've given her over the years you know in a lot of ways this was her first jump into real comic style entertainment uh and, and this was a giant jump forward in that way and really showing what that medium is capable of is and by taking that inspiration as far as the pacing and as far as the reveals and where it knew it knew when to move quickly for the most part you know there's a few date times where pacing was a little clunky but for the most part it knew when to move quickly it knew when to let a slow burn happen it knew how to pull its punches and it knew how to give us a reveal at just the right time to keep us going it even had a giant red herring i mean that <laughs> that, that might big, end up being worth something later what's the, more comic book even that the biggest red herring we have seen in comic book movie comic book entertainment in a while and man was it huge but like i i'm so glad you mentioned this that's a great example i was actually um i was coincidentally on the phone with your wife um i think it was around episode seven episode eight close to the end or whatever and we were talking about some civic community stuff that we're going to be doing um or whatever and and sharing some ideas but then when we were done finishing up the conversation you know um she was kind of talking about wandavision and she shared the similar sentiment with me which is like she said that she was absolutely loving the show even though she didn't really bring in you know the the fan the fandom baggage that you and i were bringing into it and i think that's a testament to both the entertainment value as well as the overall creative genius behind WandaVision itself, right? If we're just look, taking this nuclear example where you and I can be sitting here saying we were invested in this before it was even a greenlit project, right? And we ended up yes. loving it. But then someone who doesn't have any of that coming in can sit down and watch it and still appreciate it for what it is that's a difficult needle to thread even more so when you're dealing with ip driven content right one division seems to have done that one division has done the hard thing in terms of not just controlling the zeitgeist but tapping into the concept of mass entertainment appeal for the most part I don't know, being a decade deep and and however many individual titles deep into a connected universe, and this is an installment that was able to kind of bring the masses together again, all the while reviving old school television watching, which is pretty great in and of itself. Like, I don't know. I dare call that a Herculean achievement. Dare you? Yeah, I'm I dare with you. <laughs> we we dare shall dare as well. Yeah, let's dare. <laughs> shall we? Shall we dare? Dare let's we? Let's dare. <laughs> let's do it. But that's that's a really big deal. And yeah. so I, I I think from a macro perspective, we're looking at WandaVision and saying this was a incredible achievement, both from a to- storytelling perspective, from an MCU perspective, and also just from a mass appeal. What is this doing for the popular culture conversation and, and, and movement in that industry thing? Like it checks all of those boxes. That's not a small thing. Um, now let, let's talk for a minute about um, about the casting. This is something we always want to hit on a little bit. Um, I don't know, Jake, for me, I am so grateful that Paul Bettany's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing him under the bus, but I just, I don't know. You know, it's really funny. If I can stop you is I had a lame joke where I was going to be like, yeah, let's talk about casting. Paul Bettany sucks. And, (laughs) and it's a joke because I think he's brilliant and I love the man. And so it's just funny that that's where you went. Go ahead. He is. He's brilliant. He's tender in all the right ways. He's entertaining, but this show, this show thrives 
at the epicenter of Elizabeth Olsen, Catherine Hahn, and Tiana Paris specifically. Like this show belongs to those three. One, I'm ready for Elizabeth Olsen to garner all of the awards for this show um, the next year around when it's eligible. She was absolutely fantastic. Catherine Hahn, I've already said on the record of this podcast and posted online many numerous occasions, she is the MVP of all things. And she, she again proved it on a bigger stage here. And surely she is going to have a larger following as she has deserved for a long, long time. And Tiana Paris was an anchor in this show and is clearly laying some groundwork for Captain Marvel too as well. If you followed her career in any capacity, you'll know that she contains, contains vast multitudes. But I just, I know that this is stating the obvious, but it's also very important to say for the sake of representation, for the sake of criticism, and for the sake of truly appreciating a gift that we have been given in this show, WandaVision was driven by the female leads. It was a leading lady with two leading supporting characters driving this engine. And without those three, this show crashes and burns. I think that's incredibly important to say. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that um, I can't really say it much better than you. And I, I do have, when you're ready for it, I have an interesting take on the Catherine Hahn character that on, on Agatha that I really need to thread the needle on, but I do want to pitch an idea at you whenever you're ready. Okay. Well, I think we could go down this way. I mean, I, I'm always ready to talk about Catherine Hahn and her brilliance. I actually tweeted this out while watching episode nine, I believe, or episode eight, episode eight. That was the, the backflash episode, right? Um, yes. Yeah, so while watching episode eight, I tweeted something out to the effect of like, I don't care if it ex if it even connects to the MCU or not. I just really want a melodrama witchy show with Catherine Hahn leading the way. Like I was watching those last few episodes. It's just like, my God, I love this. Can I just have more of this? I don't care if it has stakes in the MCU or not. I just want Catherine Hahn starring in a show about witches with melodramatic under undertones throughout the whole thing. Like I just need that in my life. Um, probably not as cool as the pitch that you're going to have, but anyway, that's my idea. Well, I don't know. Cause okay. So what, what this touches on is one thing for me that this is where I have to thread the needle. I'm not saying it didn't work. I'm saying that maybe we went with the B plus idea and maybe there was an a plus out there. You just wanted Magneto. No, 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 not that. Although <sighs> missed opportunity kevin okay um i i'm sure when when quicksilver showed up spoiler alert and we didn't know what was going to happen yet that's where your mind went right you were super excited oh i started know? shouting and i was ready to take a victory lap around the house right there um <laughs> victim of the red herring i was red oh i fell for it hard man Dude, all um, of us did anybody that was on twitter but, in between episodes like four and seven we were all there can i tell you that i don't mind it like i don't have any problem with it i think it was a fun little meta thing and that it is and it's on for, brand for the genre and it, absolutely this is this is where we start to get polarizing though because the people have an awful lot of feelings about this they, and they do and this is really to me one of the least important things because ultimately while i wanted to see a super cool magneto reveal at the end it wasn't necessary it didn't gel with what the rest of the series was and frankly making it she had to recast pietro is is it makes sense in universe. It absolutely worked. They took the time to give us a brief, if you know, explanation of it. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it one way or another. I thought it was a fun meta joke that you either got or you didn't. And if, I don't know, I, I think that, I think so many people are so into the meta game of trying to figure out where is the MCU headed that sometimes they, they don't see the forest for the trees necessarily, or the trees for the forest, whichever direction you want to take it. It's and mystery I, boxing. It, yes, that's exactly it. It's mystery it's, boxing. It's why so many people can't enjoy 
some Star Wars things. It's why so many people, you know, are so worked up about this. Yeah, you're absolutely right about mystery boxing. Alicia Grouso, Garuso, I'm not 100% Grouso, I believe. Alicia Grouso tweeted about this in the midst of the WandaVision mania towards the end of everything about how mystery boxing essentially killed modern audiences' collective ability to read narratives and understand where they're going and where they're not. That's exactly what she said. Thanks, and Lost. I know. That's the thing is the thread came back to Lost. Is is, and then it really came back into J.J. Abrams broke everyone's brain, which is not necessarily untrue, but that's a big piece of it, right? So then it becomes this game, as you mentioned, Jake, um, is what Alicia has been talking about online and others have been talking about online, not my original idea. Please understand that um, is the concept of like it becomes this game of Easter egging of mystery boxing and everything like that, which if that's fun for you, that's great. But also you're completely missing the, the nucleus of an experience that's been curated by a group of writers. Right. And, and WandaVision even being a part of the mystery boxing problem still had a greater narrative there. And, and there were definitely a lot of rabbit holes that we allowed ourselves to get enamored by rather than completely enjoying the grief piece. Um, I promise we'll get to your pitch, but this is one thing I was listening to um, Sean Fennessy and Mallory Rubin talk about this on um, the big picture pod from the ringer when they were recapping WandaVision and um, Sean, who I'm not particularly like, I don't dig him a lot. He, he's not the best interviewer, not super enlightened. He's very film bro-y, but sometimes he's got good stuff. And, and he mentioned this and I kind of identified with it where he was like, I wish I could go back and watch it again for the first time, but temper my expectations about some of the interconnectedness or some of the crazier things that I thought was going to happen and just enjoy the story for what the story was. Because he said, by the end, I got there and I was incredibly fulfilled. And now I'm mad at myself for taking a few of the earlier episodes for granted. I don't know if I'm completely there, but I do feel like that articulates an awful lot of maybe where some of the internet chatter ended up when when this whole thing was said and done have you ever played fantasy sports um a couple of times it's not really my thing but yeah sort of but we all know fantasy guy right like the sports fan that you can't watch a game with because he's too obsessed watching the individual stat lines of a couple of players and freaking out about who did or didn't get to take the last shot right I feel like the mystery box is that where there are some, like some people are able to compartmentalize it and say, you know what it does? It enhances my already high level of enjoyment of something. And when I'm right, it's awesome. And when I'm wrong, it's no big deal. It was all fake. It's the Twitterfication of everything because exactly. people, people want to be able to have that gotcha moment or to be able to earn that credit to say I've pieced it all together, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not speaking poorly on that, but like, and it's really yeah. easy when, when we're, when we're looking to be part of the larger conversation on Twitter specifically or Reddit, and we're looking to piece things together and do the IP of it all and everything. It's really easy to get blindsided by the sideshow entertainment. And then we're missing the forest for the trees, which is exactly what you're saying. So all that being said, that was not my pitch. So all the <laughs> <laughs> my pitch is to stop mystery boxing. Right. Yeah. So by the way, let's stop mystery boxing. Um, unless you can do it responsibly and not pee in everybody else's punch um, please mystery box responsibly that's exactly right just have fun with it and when you're wrong shut up about it i was wrong about magneto who cares um gosh here's we're thing. gonna alienate everybody with that that's my goal that's what i'm here for um here's the thing i everything i'm about to say has nothing to do with the performances or the writing of the characters, their dialogue, the way they were executed necessarily. It's just about that final episode felt just a little bit, and it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. So he, this is where I'm trying to thread a needle. I enjoyed the big witchy smackdown between Wanda and Agatha. Uh, it, it hit a lot of the old familiar notes but in some ways, I almost wish we had gone a little more outside the box for that. And my pitch is, could Agatha not be removed because it's too good of a character executed too well? Could Agatha have been used differently in a way that 
allowed her to still have that antagonistic role, gave us the big reveal of who she really was that, by the way, everybody mystery boxed. You get like one point for that one, gang. Okay, we all saw it coming. And <laughs> um, could, could, could Agatha have been used in that way and maybe a little more time and bring Wanda into it be spent exploring the ship of Theseus or Theseus thing with the the vision quest white vision and the dream vision could could we have gone a little more cerebral with our finale instead of big explosion smackdown witch battle and and I don't mean that as a criticism necessarily as much as just a thought experiment about our this is the first real big swing in the MCU at doing something outside the box, right? Like, and, and we've, we've seen some things break from the formula with great success. We've seen winter soldier focus on espionage. We've seen black Panther focus on being amazing. And we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen um, captain Marvel, you know, focus on doing something unheard of and convincing Hollywood to let a woman be a lead character and it's we've seen all these big risks taken that really at the end of the day don't tweak the formula too much and so with wandavision we took our first big swing and then they ended right the back formula. in the box is what you're saying and, and yeah and my question is was that inevitable is the first swing always destined to revert to the mean in order to lay some groundwork for other things to grow on or is it possible that with WandaVision, we could have gone even bigger and make episode nine as cerebral and emotional as the first eight episodes were? Or did it have to, and, and I mean that in all honesty, I want to explore it. Did it have to revert to mean to provide us with a certain level of comfort so that later things can get even wackier? Wow. So I think this could potentially lead to my big conflicting at it, like uh, emotion about this show Yeah, here. I, I, and I don't want to, to, um, to deflect from, from your pitch no, here because deflect man, dump it in there. Let's do it. Get it all out there at once. Let's sort it out. Well, here, here's the thing is I specifically about the witch throwdown. Like I found it entertaining and I found it fun, but I also yes. completely understand the, the, un the low hanging fruit criticism is online. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but the low hanging fruit criticism about WandaVision is to say like, Oh, did we really have to end with the big intergalactic throwdown again? Like I get that. And so on that end, I'm a little 50 50 because I get it. We've seen it all. It's a trope for a reason. And did we really have to do that with the big swing outside of the box thing? Like you've been saying, I'm right there with you, but also it's like, what else do you expect from a comic book property too? Yeah. And, and, and if they were going to do it, they made it as entertaining as possible because Catherine Hahn and Elizabeth Olsen throwing down in the sky with their big purple and red powers was oh, really man. cool. They chewed the scenery in the best way possible. They really, they really did. And so I, I hear you where it's like they stepped outside of the box and then they just pressed all the way up against it too when the moment really mattered but i will give them credit because it wasn't the climax the climax is what happened afterwards and oh, give, well said i give them credit for for doing that really well it's not the problem that you have unpacked about wonder woman which is the big climactic moment was a big letdown whereas this was the final showdown was a letdown but it wasn't the climax so i will give them credit for for at least playing that really well but here's Here's the one big piece that I'm having a hard time with WandaVision. Now, let me say that the way that this show closed up, um, how real do I want to get on this podcast? Um, WandaVision, more than it wasn't, was a therapeutic exercise for me um, as an exploration of some deep, horrendous grief. I found an awful lot of therapy there. Um, without going into too much greater detail, although if any of you follow my personal Twitter account, you can probably check it out and see what's going on. Um, the last year of my life was filled with an awful lot of grief. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. But um, And grief doesn't leave you, by the way, but the last year was particularly fresh and very, very heavy. WandaVision was a welcome balm of both escapism and also therapeutic release from the grief exploration. And I don't know if that clouds my objectivity or if that speaks to the potential emotional influence that the show has. 
All right. So I say that to say the show spoke to me to a deeper level than I probably expected it to. And I thought more than it didn't, it really stuck the landing, but here's where I'm conflicted. Jake is, um, and this is something that, that people like Emily Vanderwerf and, and a lot of other people online have articulated far better than I could have, which is they really seemed to let Wanda off the hook. And she was holding people captive like for, for, for two to three weeks, she was holding the people there against their will. They were, they were being tortured in a sense. Right. And, and, and the show, especially towards the end, really, they made it aware that they knew that what she did was wrong, but there also wasn't any stakes or consequences there. And I'm wondering what it says to the concept of like grief is heavy. Yes. But also you can't let that grief turn you into an abuser at the same time. Right. And now here we are getting really, really deep on this podcast, but here's my question that maybe connects to what you're pitching. Jake is does our rush to get to the final witchy throwdown remove any agency that they could have had to really explore that grief punishment and consequences component to the, to a more responsible degree. So let me say, first of all, that um, in no way do I presume to, to be as this didn't connect with me on that level. And that's not, because of anything going on on the show it's because of i don't, I don't have the the i don't contain the multitudes you do you know and i'm <laughs> it's more it's definitely me like just not being at that place where i was there for it you know mm-hmm. um, so i, I don't want to speak to that not because for no reason other than like I, I would only bring down what you have already said so i, I don't want to speak into that for any reason other than to be respectful to that, I don't, I don't have that to add. What I do think is that there were tone, there were moments in the finale where it started to go that route, and you know, I, I think that for me, you know, and I haven't read much coverage on the show, so I don't know that. I, I haven't read these. So I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of like processing it real time here. What, what you're saying about some of the criticism and it's really fascinating stuff. I'm not bucking against it or embracing it. I'm just kind of like rolling it over in my brain. One of my big takeaways from the finale was I wish they had spent more time on the consequences of what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they had spent more time on it, but that the time they spent on it was good in a bad way right like it was good it was the right kind of bad when when the people come to her and are are like you know when when agatha gives them their freedom for a few minutes and they're all telling her Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh i have a daughter you know like hey can i what can i just do this could you get my kid involved in this just so we can be together in this nightmare and um you know those moments where they started to brush up against it were so good they executed so those things well right like yes they, they, they clearly were implementing that to help raise the stakes of the show which okay i get it that's that's a writing convention that you need but they didn't stick the landing though right you know what i have read is a lot of speculation about what wanda's role in the future of the mcu is is she a hero or a villain and I think that to a certain extent, that question misses the point of WandaVision. And I don't think that it's that she doesn't have a future as one or the other. And I don't think it's that the show completely nailed the landing. I don't think it gave enough real estate to exploring those consequences, right? But I do think that to ask the question, is Wanda hero or villain, is to miss the point of the show, which is to explore her in her, in her agency as somebody grieving. And that to ask the question hero or villain is to reduce it because like all people experiencing anything, Wanda is both and neither. And she is in her moments of clarity, able to say, this is wrong. I can't do this to these people. 
and she ultimately does make that choice. She is in her moments of less than clarity. I don't know what the opposite of clarity is suddenly. Um, <laughs> cloudy. Cloudy. In her moments of cloudity, um, <laughs> she is every bit the monster that her version of vision sees her as right and i think the most disappointing thing to me is the way that he suddenly dropped in and was like this is our home let's defend it and that line that got thrown at me in so many promos rang so hollow to me when he had just the last time they'd seen each other been calling her out on i think you might be a monster and i think man because there are so many moments in the show that were great. Like, and when I, yes. when I tell you that, that line about love persevering that, that everyone was writing about after, like, I'm telling you, I'm a cliche mess. Like having the year that I just had, like that line hit me for all the right reasons. And it was, it was a powerful, powerful moment. Um, but I don't know, Jake, I, I'm wondering if we're disagreeing here. Cause I don't even know if, I agree with you to a sense that asking if Wanda is hero or villain is an unfair question, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm not no, asking not you. Yeah, yeah I'm, and, sorry. I'm speaking to the faceless people whose article <laughs> I read earlier. Okay. But I, 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 I think because here's the other here's the other throwaway thing that we can't let the MCU off with is that you can always just use the convenient excuse of like, oh, well, they'll connect the dots later. Right. But you know what? Like one, they don't really do that very well throughout their history with with a lot of character nuance type of stuff. And also, if they weren't going to do it now. When are they going to do it for her? Because what, when is a better time to connect the meaningful dots for the character than when she has her own friggin' TV show? We're praising WandaVision for the grief exploration, which I think we should for the most part. The show is powerful. And even amidst the, fl- the, the picks that I have with it, the, the closing was as beautiful as anything that I've seen on TV recently. Starting from when they're, when they're putting the kids to bed at night, and they they say their final words to each other and they face the end of the prism outside of the window, right? Like that, that is a powerful, well-crafted, earned moment of television that spoke to me on a deep, deep level. But that's a moment in a vacuum. Um, there has to be some sort of responsibility when it comes to saying we're doing representation, we're doing grief, we're doing nuanced emotion, we're unpacking complicated things. There's got to be a responsibility there to a point of like, the writers were the ones that brought this into play. They didn't have to make the inhabitants of that town held captive. We didn't have to have the moments where they were like, can you please release me? We didn't need that, but they did. And they deployed it masterfully and it raised the stakes and it allowed us to get deeper into the story and go, oh, oh, this is a wrinkle. Let's see where this leads. And then they didn't take the responsibility that they should have taken by opening the door that they willingly opened themselves. Does that make sense at all? No, it absolutely does. And I, I frankly don't have a defense for the show in, in that light. I think that. And I don't know right if I on. do either. Like, and that's why I'm so conflicted, right? Because I, I, I both love the show, but then also how can I say I love the show when I can so easily see this blind spot? Well, and so I guess my question is, does that, does that blind spot then go back to what we talked about, that reversion to the mean, right? Like mm. was, was the finale... Is, is the real crime of the finale not that they went back to a wham bam's throwdown? Is the real crime of the finale that they didn't give more time to that exploration of grief, that they didn't go give time to agency and consequences? Mm-hmm. And, and did they leave so many threads hanging and not really deeply resolve them? Gosh, that's the million dollar question. And as you say that, I'm sitting here thinking, is there a way for them to have done that while still giving us the closing moments they wanted? Because clearly the, the actual ending of the show, those closing moments were what they were building up to. And I'm sure that when they started breaking things down in the writer's room, that was probably one of the opening visions they had was this is how we're going to close it out. I get that. And it was powerful. It was powerful. I'm telling you, like 
the show had an emotional effect on me for, for good reasons. It was a therapeutic outlet at a time where I really, really needed it. But at the same time, I, I do think that there's a way for us to have those closing moments, have them be as emotionally weighty as they were while still giving us a, a, while still alluding to the fact that Wanda's going to get some consequences there. I don't know what the consequences needed to be, but she certainly walked away with an awful lot of grace at the end of the show. And so I guess maybe what I'm having is an existential crisis on criticism itself, right? Which is what is my definitive statement? When I say this show found me at a moment where I really needed it, the show gave me an emotional reaction. It carried female led characters anchoring the whole thing and gave me one of my favorite performers doing what she does best. Right. It gave me entertainment. It gave me prestige. It gave me emotion. It gave me incredible acting performances. It gave me IP. It gave me all of these things that I've been on the record for years as saying I love and it, and it did it to a degree that was impeccable for better or worse. And yet, where do I stand in my definitive statement on a show when I can so clearly see a blind spot at the same time? And I know that it's not black and white and, and living in the gray is really what I try to lean into. But at the same time, what, it, what does that mean for criticism, right? Because it's, it's tough then to be, it's not like Wonder Woman 1984, where it was really easy to pick apart because also the, sh- the movie was just sloppy, right? So now I'm just talking in circles and I don't know if we're ever going to get to a resolution, <laughs> but that, that's the crisis I'm having right now. I think it's a reasonable crisis. And I think that if I may, uh, you know, I think what it speaks to is the depth of your connection to the material here mm-hmm. and, and to the topic that you are living in that, that moment of critical crisis. And I think that maybe the solution is the lazy one, but because it, it's lazy because it's, it's the one that works, is that we, we have to always have two thoughts on these things, you know, and when we, in our humble little corner of the internet with the lowest of stakes possible, <laughs> we, we dare criticize. And I think that when we do that though, what I have always enjoyed about this is that as low as the stakes are, you and I have always tried to treat it as seriously as grown people in spandex deserve to be treated. Absolutely. And we have, we have always tried to bring, an objective criticism to it and and assumed the intelligence of the people that join us in this adventure and listen to us. And we've tried to always say both, here's how I feel as Jake or as Mitch about this thing. This is my level of enjoyment with it. Also, critically speaking, as a person who wants to you know go through the task of criticism objectively speaking it missed the mark in these ways it hit the mark in others and that art of dissecting something and doing it in a way that is respectful to the to the art rather than disrespectful is something that enhances the experience Mm -hmm. and i think what you're doing is you're categorizing but the stakes are bigger for you right now than they normally are right because that way it's so weird it feels that way though but you know what man you have you we've talked about this before you always connect with stuff on the screen deeper than most people because that's you call it your church man and that's you and that's beautiful (laughs) and that's good and i think that you know this is because i know the year you've had and this is probably a little bit cathartic but catharsis also in the process of criticism is it's frankly it it impedes criticism so you have to split your brain in two Mm. and you have to come at it as mitch the guy who needed it and who frankly just plain enjoyed it even if he didn't and as mitch the critic who sees that this is both a giant step forward and a couple of stumbles in the process Mm. fair i appreciate i appreciate assessment We went way deeper than I thought we'd go on this thing. I, Dude, yeah, I know that's, that's my assessment. Just looking at the big picture though, you know, that's fair. And I, I appreciate you being patient with me. That's the big no, thing. Hey, I appreciate you being I'm, patient with me. What are you kidding me? I'm just listening. This is my, this is literally <laughs> the podcast. No, the people being patient are the ones that can pause and didn't. <laughs> fair enough. Touche. Touche. The, the thing is though, is, is maybe the overarching statement too, is what speaks to, 
art that doesn't just control our attention and our conversation, but art that speaks to, that is attempting to speak to something a little bit bigger. And that maybe this greater conversation alludes to the fact that WandaVision contains layers as, as, mm. as, as much as a spandex laden, you know, property can, but it contains layers. And that is also something that's relatively, again, outside of Black Panther, new to the Marvel Cinematic Arena. I'll be really interested to see how this plays out in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, because there's definitely going to be some layered stuff that they're certainly going to have to grapple with, whether they like it or not. Um, but because of that, that either elevates the art form or it damages the art form. Can I, I think I think more than it doesn't, it elevated here. Yeah, can I can I speak to a thought that has just hit me? Because again, I'm processing a lot of what you're saying real time here. So apologies if this fit better in the flow of the episode 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but I, you know, uh, one thing that I, I don't know if it translates on my online presence is that I'm uh, I listen to NPR a bit. Um, that guy. NPR. Right. It's funny because 10 years ago I made fun of me. Um, but <laughs> I listened to NPR a bit and, um, you know, I, I caught a bit the other day. I, I cannot, unfortunately, I'm going to be unable to cite even the show, let alone who the researchers were and the people discussing it. So, uh, apologies to NPR. I know they needed our signal boost, but, um, <laughs> I, I, know, I think that one thing I caught that intrigued me the other day was they were breaking down the one year of COVID and talking about how for people like myself who, um, and, and I don't mean in contrast to you, but just in contrast to others, I know that no one super close to me has been deeply affected by COVID. You know, I would in fact say um, the irony is that 2020 on a personal level was one of the best years of my life mm -hmm. while on a global level, it was one of the worst years ever. Absolutely. Um, and so I sat with this weird dichotomy all last year where I felt like I was fiddling while the world burnt. And um, I, there was a little bit of an exploration into the, the idea of trauma and that trauma and grief are something that is part of our collective consciousness as a people right now, whether Absolutely. we, this whole thing has been collective trauma. Well, and that's just, and, and whether you, wherever you land on anything, however, whether you've lost family members that you lived with, whether you lost your job, whether you have been unaffected or whether your life improved, frankly, it's been a year that has produced some trauma and some collective grief. And I say all of that to say, in a lot of ways, WandaVision is one of the few things to hit at the right time, right? And I, I, I noticed that last year, every single media outlet tried to find a way to do like a COVID show where it was all people on Zoom talking to one another, or there was some form of entertainment, the quarantainment, you know, and everybody, and, and nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to watch a show about people living through the nightmare they were living through. Oh my gosh, WandaVision, I, dude, I, 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 I don't mean to throw her under no. the bus. I really don't. But like my, my, my wife likes Grey's Anatomy. She loves that show. And um, <laughs> I, I caught her watching one of the newest episodes a couple months ago. And the whole thing was just COVID, COVID, COVID. COVID, COVID, and it was triggering AF, man. Well, that's just, it's, it's <laughs> zero escapism. And if that's what she needed good for her, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have an opinion one or another on Grey's Anatomy. I've, I've never seen it, but um, I think I'm the last person. But oh, well, I, I've seen the first 11 seasons. The show's been on for about 55, though. So mm, that's amazing. The first 11. That's almost, that's like a third of a Simpsons. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I guess I say all that to say that WandaVision, while not everybody's going to be able to connect with it as deeply and viscerally as you, uh, you know, I think that it hits at the right time where we are all in a headspace of grief. Mm -hmm. And maybe WandaVision is, you know, like so much art, maybe WandaVision is a product of its time as much as anything. And maybe if it releases two years later or two years earlier, it's a big deal, but it's not what it was. But in many ways, this was the catharsis 
that a lot of us needed while still being escapism. I think you nailed it right there. And that's, that's probably the note we need to be ending on. Like that's, I think that's probably it. That's the, that's the nugget, right? Which is the show would have been a big deal no matter what, because it's a Marvel cinematic universe property. We all would have watched and we all would have talked about it, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have resonated and um, stuck to us to the degree probably that it did given the context of which we watched it. How could that not be an influencing factor? I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, thank you. I, you know, blind squirrels and nuts and so on. <laughs> All that fun stuff. But, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like you just gave like our Oscar reel a little oh. bit ago and and like, <laughs> this is what we will be remembered for and i was like i don't that's quite an oscar reel me saying wow life, life was hard and i found solace in capes <laughs> hey man you're talking to somebody who's made uh, 35 years and going strong finding solace in capes dude well whatever whatever it takes i suppose right <laughs> but the thing is is i bringing it back to a little bit more of a superficial capacity wasn't wandavision just incredibly watchable like i i feel like even if it's just for a quick minute, we have to acknowledge the mechanism of which we consume this, right? The shorter episodes, the, the vibrant entertainment, the comedy, and the being forced to watch it on a weekly basis. Like there is something to that formula that is still incredibly potent and effective, right? I'm 100% here for this model that is sort of a hybrid of scheduled television and binging where you know on friday jared will see it at 4 a.m and the rest of us will catch up sometime after we get off work Mm -hmm. and i i'm i'm here for that because it you know when when game of thrones ended i i heard man i think it was rich eisen the sports guy is he still a thing Oh man, I listen to his show every day, dude. That's um, awesome. I remember, I think it was him who said, this is the end of appointment television. And I remember being a little sad and being like, oh my gosh, yeah. But I don't know that it was, as it it's, turns well, it's out. Cer- it's certainly the end of conventional appointment television. Yes, if, if a, a type of appointment television. If your event is big enough to control the collective attention, Appointment television will very much still be a thing. And clearly, um, the mouse and the Marvel are strong enough to be able to control that. Man, that is no joke. And so I, I think I'm, you know, I was kind of on board for this model of we had weekly talking points. You know, Absolutely. I was able to ask people, hey, you watch WandaVision? And then it was able to lead into why not or what the proverbial like water cooler had been returned. Well, that's just it. I feel like somebody wheeled the water cooler back. And that's exactly right. That's so well said. Yep. And, and, and you know what, though? I, I'm not here to, to come at everybody's watching habits, but it, I just really think that it's an intrinsic human thing. We savor and enjoy more when anticipation is part of the process. Oh, um, yeah. That, that's just what it is. Like, I, I even find the same way with like, um, um, like, like movies and, and music and stuff like that. Like going back and well, back in my day, but like when we were younger, like it was so much harder to find that music or that movie that you really wanted to get your hands on and to own. And, and um, not that I don't appreciate the art forms, but I, I wonder if there's part of it that I don't appreciate as much as I did because the anticipatory, the searching, the waiting, all of that, like that's been so much more muted than it ever had been before. But like I sabered WandaVision. And I'm not going to lie. There are some times throughout the process where I did watch three episodes in two days or two episodes in one day. But um, the not just the water cooler of it all, but also the anticipation and the eagerness built around the concept of like, I've got this now. Like that is part of it. And I highly believe that that speaks to also the savoring factor and you just don't savor when you clip through a bunch of them in in a really really big chunk you still enjoy it but it's 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 also a different experience yeah i think that's you know and i liken it to i know i'm the only one on here who thinks this but you know i liken it to when i there is still 
even for the ones that I didn't enjoy as much as others, this stupid moment that I get every time I sit down in the theater for a Star Wars movie where I go, oh man, we were only supposed to get three of these and all before I was born. This is special. <laughs> yeah. And to the point, have I told you about tricking Elise into going to one? Uh, no, you haven't. Share that yeah. story. Uh, episode eight, The Last Jedi, which, you know, anyone who listens regularly knows we're the only two people who see it for the masterpiece. It is. That's not true. We're not the only two, but there's like um, 12 of us, but all 12 dozens. of us. Are, there are dozens, but all of us are right. So there's that. Yes, exactly. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't like The Last Jedi, but you listen to this podcast, that's fine. We still love you. You're welcome here. No judgment. I'm just telling you you're wrong. Um, yeah, we love wrong people. Yeah, we do. I'm, I'm wrong about stuff all the time. Just not The Last Jedi. Oh yeah, me all the time. Um, but so for that movie, um, my my wife is very like, hey, if we miss the if we miss the opening credits, no big deal, right? Like I think she'd prefer to be there before, but she's not stressed about it. So I we have a family calendar, right? That on I on our phones that either of us can update. And I may or may not have falsified the family calendar to say that the movie started 30 minutes before it really did. And then insisted that we be there 15 minutes early. And we may have sat there while someone cleaned around us and waited for the start of that movie. And it may or may not have been the angriest she was at me that year. <laughs> I would have done exactly the same thing, though. Dude, I, <laughs> missing, missing opening stuff in the movie is like an anxiety point for me. It's like, mm, I can't do it. I got to see the whole thing, man. I got to see the whole thing. If we're going to miss the opening credits to, I, I don't know. I don't even know. Like Trolls but what 2 if there or are something. no opening credits? Well, that's just it. Like if we're going to miss something, like the whatever. But freaking Star Wars, man. I'm going to be there for every trailer that was rumored to be dropped. And I am going to see the opening crawl. And I am going to, yes, Elise, lean over and explain to you what that reference meant. And so that's, you know, that's how we do it. And so... <laughs> What, I understand like, I was wrong. I just don't care that I was wrong to do that. Right. Shout like, out to I'm her to go, for going with you anyway. I mean, yeah, well, she didn't go to episode nine for what it's worth, but uh, she, <laughs> she, well, she came out ahead on that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I took, um, I took my wife with me to go see a opening night, late night viewing of man of steel. I was, as I've said before, Super excited for this one because it was the first good Superman movie released to the cinemas in my lifetime. And it was a really, really big deal. And I didn't have anybody else to go with. Um, I was fine going by myself because I go to the cinemas mostly by myself. But she she knew that this was special to me and she wanted to be there with it for me. She's like, I want to be a part of this emotional moment with you. And I was like, this is great. This is what love is. And she fell asleep 20 minutes deep into the movie, you know. She still loves me. And it was an expression of love for her being there. And she had a good nap. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome that she wanted to be supportive because I, I think Elise just got tricked. Well, you know, it happens. But if you're going to trick her, you triggered in, you tricked her into a Ryan Johnson movie. There are worse things. I mean, I bought popcorn, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. WandaVision, Jake. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm going to grade it as a B plus. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. So splitting myself into those two minds that we just talked about. Um, subjectively, I loved this thing. Uh, objectively, I really liked it. There's a few things I would have tweaked, but I also do think that, you know, you're not going to hit 100% of your shots when you're experimenting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. That's exactly the way to capture it. B plus. And um, man, massively entertaining. Yeah, WandaVision. It. I, I contend my still my biggest takeaway from this whole thing is I am amped to see. Do people still say amped? I'm amped. I do. Is that a thing? Okay. I also say rad. Rad. Oh, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, Gen Z's coming after us, man. Um. So let I them am, come. I don't even know they're out there. I'm bald. I don't have to have a side part. Yeah. Um. I am. I am amped to see what this means for Marvel in the television arena going forward. That's that to me, that's one of the biggest takeaways because if nothing else, appointment viewing character nuance, everything that we unpacked in this episode, 
all of that was made better because of they ventured to TV. That's that's Herculean, man. We're we're in for some good stuff. I'm hoping, but we're we're absolutely going to live in this exciting new world where instead, you know. And here's another. I've seen people asking, "Oh, is television the new movie for this?" And I think that's the wrong approach. The question is not which is which. The question is now with every project that gets brought before Kevin Feige, he's going to be able to debate, does this work better as a film or a show? And what we're going to get is one more way to explore these characters. And I am so psyched for that. And especially for some of the ones they've chosen moving forward. And it's also a great way for Disney to earn brand loyalty to their streaming platform because they're severely lacking in adult flavored stuff. This scratches the itch for folks that are interested, at least casually in the capes and spandex. Well said. Yes. So There it is. WandaVision. It was really good, but still flawed as most things are. But um, interrogate that um, with us on online. Hit us up on Twitter at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X. Watch Comics Pod. Let us know what you thought um, about WandaVision, our takes, everything like that. There is certainly a lot to unpack, and it was certainly a big moment, the show was. So that is it. We close the book on WandaVision. Of course, if you're listening to this pod and you dig it, we would love it if you gave us a rate and review on whatever pod platform you found us on. It's a great way to pay it forward, to share some love, and it will also help some other people find us along the way. If that's cool, we think it might be. And as a payment, we will give you a lifetime supply of free high fives who can say no to that deal and of course shout out to the geek dad podcast network a wonderful place to call home we love those folks over there but um next week get excited because like everybody else on the internet we'll probably be talking about the Zack snyder justice league because that's definitely a thing too so thank you so much for joining us this is the watching comics podcast we will be coming at you next week with some more awesome stuff We'll talk to you then.